Welcome to the Airmail Podcast. Airmail is an e-card platform where you can set your thoughts free via text or email. My name is Mel and I am the owner of Airmail eCards and the host of this podcast. You will find all of our podcasts to be just as uninhibited as our cards. So pull up a virtual chair and join in. I would like to welcome our panelists to the podcast. Let me introduce my distinguished panelist. My first panelist is Kimberly. She graduated from Indiana State University with a Bachelor of Science in Economics with a minor in Business Administration. She has been married to Greg for 37 years and is the mother of five children, four sons and one daughter. They are 35, 33, 29, 25, and 21. She also has a one-year-old grandson. Kimberly is a senior insurance examiner for the Department of Insurance. My other guest is Tony. Tony graduated with an executive master of business administration degree from the Weatherhead School of Management in Cleveland, Ohio. He worked 20 years as a corporate executive, was honorably discharged from the U.S. Army, and is a decorated combat veteran who received a Purple Heart with an Oak Cluster. Tony has three children, two daughters, and one son. They are 55, 43, and 33. He also has five grandkids, ages 24, 22, 19, 12, and 1. His blended family includes two step-grandkids, which are an intricate part of his family. Tony's step-granddaughter has a daughter, which is his great-granddaughter. Welcome, everyone, and thank you, Tony, for your service. It is a pleasure to have each of you join the Airmail podcast. Welcome, Kim and Tony. Thank you for being here. This should be an interesting discussion with varying opinions, so let's just jump right in. First question is, do you believe that it is your responsibility to support your kids' post-high school graduation goals by supporting secondary education goals, trade school, entrepreneurial ventures, school of art, et cetera, until they're 21? Kim, what are your thoughts? I just, after high school, if they decide they want to go to college, I think, you know, personally, my husband and I, we, um, we helped our children. So we have four graduate, four and three quarters graduates. How about that? <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah. And, you know, I, I agree with you. I think if you're financially able to do so, I believe that just getting them out of high school is not quite enough for them to stand on their own two feet. So if you can help, I, I believe um, you should. Tony, what, what do you think? Um, well, it's um, with, with our family, it was a situation where um, it was almost uh, understood uh, that our youngest daughter was going to go to college. Now, my other two kids, um, it was uh, a long conversation, you know, on exactly what they were going to do. But I did not feel um, responsible for their post high school education. Um, and the reason I didn't feel that is because um, I was responsible for my post high, um, uh, high school education. Uh, and it, it was rewarding. It was extremely rewarding. So if my, um, uh, if my kids 
wanted to go to college if we could have afforded it, you know, at that particular time, uh, I probably would have naturally just, uh, just paid for their college tuition. But since we couldn't afford it, and again, our youngest daughter wanted to go to college, uh, uh, for the most part, she was on her own and we would just support her as much as we could, you know, once she, once she was gone. But no, I didn't feel an obligation. Okay, all right. So, at what age is it embarrassing for adult children and parents to cohabitate? According to a survey from TD Ameritrade, Ameritrade, I'm sorry, children uh, and parents um, believe that at 28, at the age 28, it begins to get embarrassing. Young millennials, even younger Gen Zs, and parents agree with that. So is there an age in your head where you feel like your adult um, child should move out? And is that age the same for males and females? And I'm going to begin with Kim. Well, I believe that all genders, you know, male, female, it doesn't matter. So after college, we allowed each one of our children to get, they had six months to get themselves together, okay? Six months, that's all you get. You graduated now, you have to make, create a life for yourself. So we gave them the gift of six months, okay? One child was like, oh no, no way. He didn't even make it two months before he was out the door. Because we, of course, had rules. Um, a couple of them stayed a little bit longer, but no, six months was really uh, our limit. Okay. Because we wanted them to be responsible for themselves. I mean, you know, they got the gift of having degrees. So you go out, you find um, the best job you can, best paying job you can find, and then you're pretty much going to be on your own. So. Well, Tony, what are your thoughts on that? Um, it's, uh, fortunately, I didn't have to think about that because uh, all of the kids were out of the house at a very young age. Um, however, um, there were times that the kids had to return uh, due to hardship. Most of the time it was due, due to hardship. And because they were back due to hardship, um, I did not require them to pay rent or anything. Uh, basically they were back home as long as they needed to be back home until they got back on their feet. Um, and, but the assumption was you are going to try to get back on your feet. Uh, and I was fortunate enough that they did, you know, whenever that situation arose, they did head out. Now, is there a magic age? Um, no, no, I, I don't believe that there is a magic age. It depends on the family situation. Um, if I, I guess I was fortunate enough to have kids that, that left early enough where I didn't even have to have to think about that. And now that I think about it, you know, as a, as an older adult, um, probably 22, you know, 22 is like you are a grown person now, male, female, it really doesn't matter. You know, um, I don't think one should be treated in, any different than, than the other. And throughout my life, I tried to treat them basically the same. Uh, but uh, maybe 22, you're grown. Um, I probably wouldn't kick you out, but I would, I would be so aggressive about you working 
um, that you might want to leave on your own. <laughs> okay. Well, you sort of touched into my next question, which was, um, is it more important for men to stand on their own in early adulthood than women? And so I, I believe you were saying no to that. Is that, is that correct? Oh, that, that's absolutely correct. It, it's, you know, with, again, with my kids, I have sons and two daughters. Um, with, with my kids, it, it was uh, the youngest daughter was the go-getter. You know, she started working, you know, uh, I can remember she wanting to doing babysitting, but getting her first job working at a clothing store. My son, on the other hand, I had to uh, make him go out and, and, and find work. So uh, uh, my expectation, I think, was a little bit higher with my daughters than it was with my sons, you know, as far as becoming independent. Um, because growing up in the business world, I saw how, how unfair um, women were treated. Uh, and if they didn't know how to stand on their own and take care of themselves, um, that was something that was required for the two young ladies in my life, is to learn how to stand on their own, where I didn't ask it of my son as much because I think society expected him to be to act, at least act independently. Okay, Kim, what are your thoughts on the subject? Well, I think that my husband and I, we both, um, we have high expectations. We did when they were small and that carried over. And so there are just certain things that they, you know, they knew that they had to do. And in terms of our daughter, I mean, she's probably more responsible than her brothers for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe she was able to educate herself through them, but she's very mature and very much a go-getter is taking care of her business. That's what she says all the time. I'm just taking care of my business, mom. And I'm like, okay, so it's a wonderful thing. But yeah, expectations were kind of high. So they knew that they... You know, they worked in high school. Um, we used to tell them all the time, we worked in high school. You guys need to work. Well, we're athletes. Doesn't matter. If you want extra money, then you have to work. And that's what they did. All right. So overall, the stigma of living at home has decreased, according to Ameritrade's research. According to Christine Russell, manager of retirement and annuities, quote, more and more young people are looking to save money. Obviously, living with parents is an easy way to do that, end quote. So with that being said, is saving money a requirement for your young adults living at home? Kim? Uh, well, I, I didn't really have that issue. Um, uh, we had a six-month rule. We pretty much uh, stood by that. We had a couple of maybe stayed maybe longer, maybe a year, but for the most part, that's our rule. Now we have a daughter getting ready to graduate from college. And so she thinks she's going to get a year. I've <laughs> got to break it to her that you're only going to get six months too. But in terms of the saving, I mean, I would have to see the savings. I'd have to see what the goal was before I would allow a grown 22, 23-year-old to live off of me. I just couldn't. No, it's their time to be independent and struggle a little bit, just like, I, I think it just makes people stronger when they have to struggle just a little bit. 
And so uh, it, it certainly made that made it that way with my husband and I, and we came out really great. And so, you know, we wanted them to have the same experience. And if they need us, that's one thing. Um, but that's very rare because they're very independent men and my daughter is independent. We just raised them that way. We studied a lot. So we kind of knew <laughs> we, we, we read parenting books. At least I did anyway. Okay. Yeah. All right. You want to chime in, Tony? Um, saving, um, even from at a very young age, if I would give the kids an allowance, an allowance, I would say, um, whenever I give you a, give you allowance, you can spend eighty percent. That means you have to save twenty percent. So I tried to get them in the habit of saving twenty percent of anything that they they ever earned, um, you know, because saving was important. But saving, you know, for the the house itself. Um, you know, or to contribute to the house, that was never a requirement. I did try to get them to understand the value of, you know, yes, you're going to work, you're going to work on your own. And whether you're babysitting at a very young age, at, at the age of 12, yes, it is your money, but you need to understand uh, if you want to get things in the future, or even if you want to think about things like college, get in the habit of saving, mm -hmm. saving now. Then it was like pulling teeth, but as they got older, that habit seemed to have started to kick in, you know, in essence. I don't know whether, I, I'm almost certain they didn't listen to me. Something oh, yes. I, yes. You know, something <laughs> else made them realize that if I want to do something down the road, I need to put money aside now. Uh, but it wasn't necessarily a requirement, uh, requirement around the house other than for themselves. Well, I think it's kind of funny how life just kind of turns out a certain way because my husband did that with the boys, you know, you know, you, here you're going to get a little bit of allowance and then you're going to do, but now I kind of feel like my boys, um, their whole thing is saving. So I want them to live more as opposed to being so frugal. Um, you know, like one of my sons told me, you know, oh, well, you know, I'm saving, saving, saving. And I'm like, and I think that's great, but you also have a balance in your life. So you, you're, you're saving and you're saving. Well, because I don't want to work after 50. It's like, okay. But at the same time, you have to live and enjoy your life. And I think I'm saying that as an older person now, you know, looking back. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, uh, it, it was a, a similar situation with the youngest daughter. Um, it, it, she, uh, at a very young age, she had expensive taste. Uh, and, and so I would get her just about anything that she want. Most of the time it was some type of clothing, um, but I always said, look, with the type of taste that you have, um, I'm not going to be around you know, for long doing this because you know, one, I can't afford it. And the second is you need to learn how to take care of yourself. But with taste as expensive as yours, you will not be able to buy what you want uh, each time. So you better learn to put some money aside now, you know, so you can get those things you really like in the future. I think some of that took hold. 
So uh, I'm just going to give a few uh, facts about other cultures and um, who have adult ch children living at home. Uh, Lebanese families believe that their children should live at home until they're married or ready to begin a family. Italy has the greatest number of young people living with their parents. Canada has the least amount of people, young people living with their parents, and the U.S. ranks sixth. So if your adult children are living at home, which I understand some of yours are not, should they pay rent? Should they buy groceries? Tony. Did you oh, say Tony? I did say Tony. Okay. <laughs> well, again, obviously, you know, we, we already mentioned that, that uh, fortunately I didn't, you know, I or we didn't have to go through that. Um, uh, if they are home, after high school, going into college, working every day, and there seems to be no indication that they're looking to move out on their own, then yes, they would pay rent. Not necessarily to help out financially, help me out financially, but for them to understand how to manage that obligation. Um, so that would be my expectation if they, were, if they had to stay for whatever reason, you know, over and above the hardship where they, for example, if they weren't working, I wouldn't expect anything out of them if they got laid off or whatever the case might be. Uh, but if they are working and for, for whatever reason, odd reason that they're living in the house, uh, yes, I would expect them to pay rent, uh, buy groceries. One thing I would not do is I wouldn't split the groceries. Um, it, it, it would be, you would pitch in and buying the groceries for the house not you have yours in the refrigerator, I have mine. That kind of separation is, is crazy to me. But yes, they would pay rent and buy groceries. Well, Miss Kim. Well, yes. I mean, we we didn't we did it at the beginning. We explained to them, okay, that this is what the deal is going to be because we wanted to teach them to be responsible. And so in being responsible, you're, you don't get a free lunch anywhere in this world. So we're not even asking you, like say rent is like, well, in Indianapolis, it's like a, maybe $1,000, maybe 800 to $1,000, right? So the thing is, is like, you're not gonna live anywhere for free. We, do my husband and I need the money? No, we didn't need the money. It's the principle that there's no free lunch and that you have to pay and we're going to treat you better than anybody in terms of rent. So we're, you know, we're charging you $50 a week and you eat $50 worth of groceries. Really, you're not helping, you know, the, the household. But I wanted them to see, okay, you're going to have to pay this bill. And I think that's why they left so early, which was <laughs> fine with us because we want to be, you know, it's kind of nice just having just me and him. <laughs> You know, it's a it's a good thing. So, okay, all right. So, on a different note, do you give unsolicited advice, or do you wait until your adult child asks you a question? I'm going to start with you on that, Kim. Actually, I'm very close to all five of my children, and so, um, but I learned early um, that you talk less and listen more. And I have a good relationship with all of them. So, you know, and texting is great because they text me all the time asking me questions, but no, I don't, 
I don't really give them advice because they're grown now, but I'm here for counseling if they need it. Okay, I like that answer. Tony? Um, all three of, of, of my kids, and, and <laughs> I mean, they, they spread the gamut as far as age. They let me know when my advice was no longer welcome. <laughs> uh, my unsolicited advice was, was no longer welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, if I didn't get the hint right away, uh, my kids can get nasty, you know, and just, just <laughs> they wouldn't necessarily come out and say, Dad, shut up, or I don't want to hear it, uh, but their attitude and tone. Uh, so um, I was probably a little slower with that with my younger daughter than I was with my son and my older daughter. Um, but uh, it, to me, it's kind of a signal uh, to say, uh, Dad, let me grow up. If I need some feedback, you know, I'll ask for it. If I don't ask for it, don't give it. You know, uh, so um, it's something that's learned. You know, I have learned as a parent when to shut up, you know, basically shut up and not give advice until it's asked of me. Okay. So if you have grandkids and your child is living on their own, do you feel obligated to be the daycare provider or a constant babysitter? But we're going to begin with Kim on that. Well, as you know, I had my first grandbaby, Bunny, who I am totally in love with. I just, and I told everybody, including you, Mel, that I was not going to babysit. Did I tell you that? I refused. Oh my gosh. He's a cuddler and I'm just in love with him and I can't get enough. I'm sorry. But I am not like on a schedule. I I get to pick him up because I see it as a gift every Tuesday. I don't see it as a chore. I am not going to be that babysitting mom where I'm going to retire and take care of him. Uh, No way. I'm going to travel and live my life. But I do enjoy my time with him when I get to see him. I just love him to death. Yes. Okay. Uh, Tony, how do you feel about that? there was um, actually a situation. I was, I was approaching retirement uh, and my son and his family, um, they had this little young daughter named Ocean that you, you, know, you have probably seen and heard of. <laughs> so Ocean, um, beginning at probably 18 months, um, she would spend the weekends with me. You know, and, and that was uh, Brian and his wife would just need date time so she would spend the weekend then it got to the point that i was actually picking her up from school every day because my schedule was that flexible both parents (laughs) she got out of school before either one of the parents you know so it was convenient you know for me to pick her pick her up from school um and then i moved and to be honest with you, uh, <laughs> when I moved away, obviously the family didn't fall apart <laughs> right away. Obviously the, the, the family didn't fall apart. Um, and, and I was mostly concerned about this bond I had, 
had formed with this granddaughter of mine that I wouldn't, wouldn't see anymore. But at no time did I ever feel obligated, you know, to do the things that I did. I did, did it because one, it was convenient, you know, for both families. I got a chance to see this granddaughter that I absolutely love as often as I want, but I was never imposed on, you know, by the mother and the father to, uh, because you're here and you have this free time, you know, you, you, you're supposed to take care of your granddaughter. That never came up. Everything that I did was voluntary. Oh, that's nice. It is. It is nice. So if your adult child has moved out, do you still pay their car note, car insurance, phone bill, et cetera? And if so, do you do that for your male son also, or sons also, or just your female? And I'm going to begin with Tony on that. You said Tony? Yes, I did. <laughs> okay. Um, no, no. I Once the adult child moves out, um, they, for all practical purposes, they're on their own. Now, um, it, hardships are easy to identify, you know, in essence, they, they're, they're very easy to identify. And I like to give my kids the impression that uh, this is the place to come. This, this is the safe place to come when hard times hit. Hard times are going to hit and you need a place to go. This is, this is the place to come. But out there, you know, you learn your lessons on your own. So if you come up short on a car note, you know, um, there's a penalty for coming up short on a car note. And I want you to experience that penalty, you know, because I had to experience the penalty when I, that was my way of, of, of learning. Do not fall behind on car notes or any, anything else. So, um, but when hardship hits, when a hardship does hit, um, I do. Every time it hits, I will step in and help out financially um, and so far, I don't, I've never gotten the impression that I'm being taken advantage of. Um, so there are occasions, yes, but most of the time, learn your lessons on your own. Okay. And that's for, and, and that's for both sexes equally. Both of them. Equally. Okay. Kim? I had to do it. Uh, I had that conversation more with my son than my daughter. You know, she, she kind of, uh took off running when it, when it came to taking care of herself. So I haven't, I haven't seen any many missteps with her, but with my son, there's been a lot of conversations about mismanagement of money. Okay. Cam? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I don't know. I think that um, with my husband and I, it's just, uh, oops. Where'd you guys go? Are you here? We hear you. Okay, great. Um, I think we just kind of like had an expectation. And so with that expectation, um, you know, I mean, they, they knew that, you know, once they left our house, you know, they were on their own. Now, does that mean that they've all stayed at the same jobs or, um, or you know what I mean? They haven't. I mean, they've moved and done whatever, but they are they take care of themselves. And what I tell them now, I mean, I'm getting older. So give me my flowers while I'm alive. You got, you know, my sons are not married uh, yet and they don't have any children except one. And so it's like, 
Now, now maybe, maybe you guys might feel differently, but it's like, you know, you guys have these great jobs and I sacrificed my career a lot. You know, I really feel like I sacrificed my career for my children. And so it's kind of like, well, now it's uh, my mom's time. Is that, is that terrible? But that's well, you know, I, I, I tend to agree with that a bit. So uh, <laughs> I'm not going to call you terrible on that note. <laughs> okay, thank you. I thought it was just me. <laughs> um, I have a, a final question for you both. Do you think we are making our adult children more equipped to stand on their own? Or did our parents do a better job of making us independent and why? And I'm going to begin with you, Kim. Did you say Tony or Kim? I think I, I really tried to model um, the raising of my children, just like my mom did with us. We were very independent, and so we've raised children that 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 are very independent people, independent thinkers, and they take care of their business. I'm very very proud of them. I really am. Not to say that the, you know they you know, they had issues when they were younger and they'll have issues again because that's life. But I'm just proud of the way that they handle their each individual business. You know, they have their own home, you know, two of them have their own homes and they're just all moving in the right direction. And it's just a blessing from the Lord. Yeah. All right, Tony, what do you think? Um. I don't, I really don't know how much, um, I can't weigh the influence of me preparing my kids for the outside world um, uh, versus um, their peers and the expectations of, of society. Um, with both of my daughters, you know, for example, um, their peer relationships um, exceed mine. Uh, I, I had some impressive peer relationships, you know, coming up, you know, um, but uh, my daughters, you know, especially not so much my son, but my daughters, they network better than I do. They, they, uh, they are politically, they're more politically savvy than, than I am, than I was, you know, when I was, was in the business world. And I think society getting out there into society society has prepared them much more than the mom, me and their mom, you know, could, could have prepared them. I do believe that the foundation uh, of what it takes to survive, you know, in the world um, was picked up by my daughters from the mom's, you know, approach to the outside, how to address the outside world. And, and also how I address the outside, what they saw growing up with me, you know, dealing with various corporate world, you know, things of that nature um, and trying to balance life. They do some similar things as far as adding the overall balance to their life, having fun, going out, working hard, committing themselves to their family. They, you know, they, they, they have those basics also, but I think their peers have influenced them and their expectations of their peers, keeping up with the expectations of their peers, um, has meant 
as much, if not more, than the impact that I might have had on preparing them for the outside world. So are you saying then that our parents, because we didn't have those same influences, maybe had a greater impact on, on us than, that, than we're having on our children because of all of the influences that um, go into um, our kids growing up today? Well, my, my, my parents at my age, you know, the, the, the one thing that was expected was a good work ethic. You know, basically a good work work ethic, and 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 I and because I took them up on that, um, I didn't have to preach work ethic with my kids. They saw it. They saw it with me. Summer saw it with her mom. They, she, she saw it. She, she, you know, the work ethic was there. However, the influence of that work ethic was there was a little bit of competition that I noticed with their peers you know, on uh, how am I supposed to do things? I can't go back to dad, ask dad, how am I supposed to address this particular situation out here in the world, whether it's work or whether it's socialization. I can't go to dad because he's dated. You know, he, he's gonna give me old information. My peers and most of my kids' peers, I had a high level of respect for them because of their intelligence, the, because of the way they carry themselves. That influenced my kids, my daughter, as well as my son more than anything. So I think, in essence, society has done more for my kids than what society did for me. My parents expected me a strong worth ethic. Other than that, I don't care what you do. I don't care if you shine shoes or whatever. Just make certain you do it with conviction. I didn't have to say that to the kids. They just kind of picked up on it, you know, along the way. But again, I, I'm convinced society influenced them more than I did. Well, um, this has been great and I have really enjoyed the varying opinions of my guest. I would like to leave our listeners with a quote by Larry Y. Wilson. It states, wise parents prepare their children to get along without them. And I think that says it all. I would like to thank my guest today for joining the podcast. Please remember that it is important to continually connect with others. Be sure to go to airmail.me, that's A-I-R-M-E-L dot M-E, and send cards that tell others how you feel about them. Remember to subscribe to airmail.me and become a mailbird. You'll be the first to know when cards arrive. Your mail birth status will also notify you when discounts are available. Be sure to connect with us on Facebook at airmail.me, Instagram, airmail underscore me, and Twitter at airmail underscore me. Don't forget to listen out next month for our podcast. Airmail is taking flight. Bye for now. <laughs>